welcome to episode 221 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And you you return to us at a crucial moment in the NFL calendar. That is, uh, pre-season is over. The 53, at least the first iteration of the 53-man roster is uh, is up and running and out there. And Joe Burrow... From what I understand, it's Wednesday the 30th of August. Joe Burrow is walking to practice in pads. Nathan Palmer, how about that? That's what you want to see, isn't it? Nice sort of, you know, nine, ten days out from the start of the regular season. Joe Boy's strutting towards the field. Maybe not strutting, but certainly walking. Didn't look like he was limping to me. And, yeah, that's what we want to see. It all feels very real now, doesn't it? So, it got does. some rock set. You know, here we go, Sam. It's not quite set. There's going to be, or will be there be. There might be some jiggering and a pokering around, and um, because that's the great fallacy, isn't it? Once once the cut day comes, everybody thinks that it's like that's it now. The roster's set, but of course it's not because um, people and players who get let go will return to the practice squad. Uh, players let go will be signed by other teams like. Trent Taylor, for instance, uh, who was signed by the Bears today after being released uh, by the Bengals. We wish him well. He's been pretty good for us the past couple of years. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an ongoing process. I think next Tuesday is the cutoff. But you're right. That's it now. Pre-season's over. The next thing we're going to see the Bengals in is an actual game, an actual in-season game. How about it, Nathan Palmer? Well, I mean, you want to see it, don't you? Because I I think we can all agree that when the off-season rolls around, you really get a bit of an itching for football. And when you know there's pre-season football coming up, you get really excited for the pre-season. We talk it up on this podcast. Everyone talks it up. You can't wait to see these battles that you formulate in your head. You want to see some, you know, some one-on-ones. You want to see what people have got. You want to look at the rookies. And with the greatest respect in the world... The preseason is shit, isn't it? And I was I, just going to say, the older that I, I get, and the years as the years tick by, Nathan, and I and I enter my dotage, the autumn of my uh, anyway. Let's not get all melancholy now, but um, it's like I don't, I, I have no interest. <laughs> I mean, that's wrong. I like the preseason, and I like a bit of roster gymnastics, and I've got, you know, I was kind of glued to social media yesterday to see who the Bengals were going to be picking up and who they were and who they're going to be releasing and all that kind of stuff. But really watching the the preseason games feels like um, a bit of a chore to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know if it's got worse. Obviously, like the Bengals, and you know, this is something Zach is a big believer in, have just completely um, sat out playing any of their starters. It's been very much backups, even backups of backups, you know, really um, any guys that are sort of, you know, supposed to see the field haven't. The one thing you've got to say for Zach Taylor, though, and for that approach, yes, there's a chance that we might go into the first couple of games and not be as sharp as you'd like, but the reality is we're going into that opening game pretty damn healthy. You know, you look throughout camp and you look throughout the preseason i know joseph asai is dealing with a high ankle sprain he might miss a week or two but the reality is we're healthy and that's all you can ask for going into the regular season and you you probably take that um you know overseeing a bit more quality in the preseason you know so i mean it is it has got 
it has got a bit a bit dry. And to be fair to the Bengals, they didn't get any sort of win in the preseason. But I don't think anyone really cares, do they? It's just no. I mean, and the preseason yeah. is almost its own separate um, uh, ring fenced thing. Do you know what I mean? It's a separate vibe. It's a separate feel to it. There are players that you've never heard of doing their absolute best to to, yeah, to come yeah. from nowhere and to get a roster spot. And that's really cool. Um, but I don't know, as, as I say, as a year go by, I start to care less um, about the preseason games. But, you know, there were some interesting things. And the reason why we delayed, you know, as long-term listeners will know that we normally record and publish new episodes every Monday, but this is a Wednesday, quite obviously, uh, or not, depending on when you're listening to it. You might be listening to this like three years, um, you know, in 2027. And uh, well, that's four years, but anyway. And thinking, what the hell are they talking about? But we're recording this on a Wednesday specifically so we could maybe discuss some of the um, the comings and goings. I think there were a few little surprises, you know. Well, we are talking about back end of the roster stuff here. And, and a lot of people, frankly, I think, have been overreacting and forgetting how good our starters are, quite frankly, you know. Um, and they've been going nuts over various people that have been released or waived. So let's just go through. I think the players that had their con- contracts terminated, Tanner Hudson, a lot of people were... were um, He had a lot of support out there, uh, the tight end. Um, Sidney Jones, the fourth, who came in. So that's a bit of a surprise. A veteran there. Uh, people like DJ Turner and DJ Ivy were preferred to him. Alan George, our old pal Alan, uh, was also waived, so we wish him the best. Hopefully he'll be back on the practice squad. So Sidney Jones was brought in um, as a veteran, but again, he lost out to the rookies, so that's a bit of a surprise, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, the 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 quarterback situation has changed a little bit. Trevor Seaman was, um, had his contract terminated. Uh, so Jake Browning, for, for a little while, became the the number two. Are you happy with that scenario? And Nathan, are you okay with that? I think I am. I think I am. Yeah, I talked about it last week, didn't I? I really felt like Jake Browning was definitely going to win that competition. He has. Obviously, they've gone and signed Will Greer from the Cowboys to the practice squad. A few people seem quite happy about that. It's probably but do fair you think cut. Will Greer is in a position to... I'm sure Jake Brown has been told he's the number two, but you know, yeah. Will Greer had a pretty... Certainly against the Raiders, the last game against the Raiders... Threw for three hundred yards and and over three hundred yards and scored four touchdowns either by passing or running. Um, he looked as though he was playing out of his skin. So there's something there. I mean, you look at his wiki page. He's got like his touchdown to interception ratio is like no touchdowns and four interceptions. So you know that's a bit like oh, okay. But he certainly looked the part in that final game against the Raiders. Um, do, do you expect him to challenge uh, uh, Jakey Boy? No, I don't. I just think they're happy with Jake Browning. They believed in him last season. They've been sort of keeping him on the roster for a while now, sort of getting him ready, getting him up to speed. I think they feel that he did enough to put uh, to beat out Trevor Simeon in this offseason. I think you'd have to stay on the balance of what we saw. You'd tend to agree with that. I don't think anyone played that well, uh, but I do think Jake Browning edged it and was probably the better player. Um Again, it's not saying much. And if Joe Boyd does miss any time, I think we're probably slightly needlessly gambling. But like I said last week, you, you've got to just trust the coaches here and say, look, 
they obviously like Jay Brown and they think he could command this offense and with, you know, Jamar Chase, Teagans, Tyler Boyd and and Co. Um, I'm sure you'd see a much better Jake Brown and obviously more than anything else behind a behind a sort of starting first string offensive line. So yeah, a bit of a risk, bit of a bit of a strange one in some ways, I suppose, when you look around the quality of the backups in the league. But good luck to Jake Brown and he's earned that and We'll see where it takes us. Hope again. Hopefully, we don't see him. You know, that's all you can say, isn't it? Unless we're, you know, it's garbage time or it's, you know, back end of the season and we've got a, you know, a buy already locked up. So yeah, fingers crossed. It's something we don't have to talk about this year. Agreed. Uh, Trent Taylor, uh, as we said, has uh, was had his contract terminated. Is now with the Bears. The active roster as well, not a practice squad job, but the active roster, from what I read. And safety, Uncle Mike Thomas, uh, I think he sort of knew that uh, the writing was on the wall and um, this could be his, uh, well, it could be his last NFL game, which is kind of sad. And you look at the respect he commands and how well-liked he is and just that incredible uh, little video that was on social media last week where he handed his jersey to, to Tyson Anderson almost like, you know, passing on the torch, passing on the baton. Uh, really moving, powerful and humble stuff from Mike Thomas, and that's why he he is so well-loved. And, you know, I kind of said in a tweet, I think, if, if the NFL had, like, a player-coach position, which they don't, um, uh, but they do regularly over here in, in our football, um, I think Mike Thomas would be... Um, an absolute prime con- uh, candidate for a, a player-coach position, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, obviously a great veteran and someone that's, I'm sure, passed on a lot of experience to that very young second, as we know. You know, you look at throughout there at Cam Taylor-Britt and obviously, as you mentioned, Tyson Anderson, Jordan Battle as well. Even Nick Scott really hasn't got a ton of starting experience and you've got both the DJs. So, you know, I'm sure that he's passed on a lot of that. I'm sure Tyson Ander will very much appreciate that. And, you know, I'm sure they'll be friends off the field and they'll be in each other's ears, sharing tips and stuff like that. So, you know, good luck. Um, good luck, really. That's all you can say for Mike Thomas, isn't it? You know, wishing him all the best. And, um, you know, if the Bengals do need any help there later in the season, I'm, you know, hopefully he'd be available and could be plugged back in. But, yeah, we'll see. Well, he could well be back. On the practice squad, as you say, so let's let's see how that develops. Now, I'm not going well, to go... One, go on. one thing, really, for me, so on the subject of uh, the younger players, one thing I was delighted to see, and you don't see this every year, and I always hate it when this happens, is all of the rookies made the team, and there was none that I can see, um, obviously, from last year that were cut either, and I think that's really nice to see people like DJ Ivy, who's a real late seventh-round pick. A lot of those guys don't make the roster. It's fantastic to see that the coaches throughout camp throughout the preseason of turn around and say yeah that guy's good enough same with brad robbins you know obviously it's a shame for Duke, uh, drew chrisman to to miss the cut but you know whenever you invest picks in guys that um you know it's that season that draft you always want to see them make the squad and the, you know the coaches are not turning around saying oh actually this guy's not who he thought he was so really happy to see that because we've seen that in the past and we people like jake elliott and the, you know other players that just for whatever reason just haven't made the cut and you know, the Bengals vet sort of give up on that. So great to see as an initial 
sign that these guys, especially some of the late round guys, the coaches have got confidence in and have been able to make the roster like Andre Yoshibas, who was up against some fierce competition in his position. You know, he been you know for him to to beat out Stanley Morgan um, is a big one. You know, I think a lot of people thought Stanley Morgan would re- uh, make the roster, and even Trent Taylor. You know, a very very good um, return man, a safe pair of hands. You know, a veteran in the league. I think that's a really big win for Yoshivas. I think a lot of people when he was drafted thought he'd probably end up on the practice squad. So, you know, fair play to the geezer. Yeah, I mean, he was unquestionably, I think, the certainly the offensive MVP in preseason. If you want to, if you want to look at it like that, I thought he was terrific. Looked right at home. He was the go-to guy. He was the one out there that on offense that was really making plays and. Certainly in that first drive against Washington uh, with Browning at quarterback, there's a lovely uh, back shoulder pass from Browning to Yoshivas. And then the touchdown, you know, so he looks right at home. And I do wonder, you know, I don't I don't know whether he's just just uh, an outside guy. I think he could do some damage in the middle, over the middle in the slot. I really do. But we'll see. He's up again. This is the thing. You forget who we've got at wide receiver already. We've got... Jamar Chase, we've got T. Higgins, we've got Tyler Boyd. You know, is Charlie Jones going to see that much action this year? I don't think he will, actually, unless Boyd mm. gets injured. You know, Trenton Irwin, um, who came on leaps and bounds, is is the number four, really. Um, and he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife. He can do a bit of everything. So, you know, I agree to make that wide receiver room, uh, you know, take some, take some effort and some skill and some talent and... And Yoshi, uh, I mean, he's already got a bloody nickname, Nathan. Yoshi, are you happy with that nickname? Solid Handle or not there? It's so Solid Handle, isn't it? Yeah. So Yoshi is it looks right at home. And Charlie Jones has come on a bit slower, I think. Obviously playing with that torn labrum, which is never... I don't, goodness me. Um, that sounds serious. Well, it is serious. It ended Greg Cook's career back in the late 60s, early 70s. So... Um, but playing with a labrum problem is is tough. So, anyway, we shall see. But that that won't receive. So let's let's just go through some of the big ones that have been waived. So Drew Chrisman, you mentioned shame for Drew. I think everybody is super popular guy, hometown kid, does great work behind the scenes. Just come off a medical emergency uh, and recovering from that, and then you know he hasn't made the team uh, so far. Um, Jeff Gunter, last year's second seventh round pick. Didn't make the 53, but I'm sure he'll be back if no one picks him up. Uh, Shedrick Jackson, who we both liked, uh, was waived also. Um, Kwame Lasseter as well, who was on last year's uh, practice squad, the wide receiver. Um, Let's have a look. What else? Dominic Davis, the defensive tackle, who flashed quite regularly during uh, the preseason. Owen Carney, the defensive end, had a couple of sacks, played well. Um, but here's the, here's the other, uh, and Devin Asiasi, who uh, I know we both know, uh, it's one of uh, one of the Bengals UK's uh, people's favourite players, um, but he didn't make it. Um, Hakeem Adenogy, were you shocked at that? I mean, they've decided to keep ten offensive linemen, and they've decided to keep Trey Hill, even though. Max Sharping has been taking reps at centre during preseason, which seemed to suggest that they were kind of grooming Sharping as a guard backup centre kind of dude, which left Trey Hill a bit out in the dark, but they've kept him on. 
Um, so, Hakeem Adeniji. He's played in the Super Bowl. Whatever you think of him, he's played in the Super Bowl. He's played in an AFC Championship game. He's got some experience. I'm surprised they kept him over someone like Cody Ford, quite honestly. Um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you got, again, you've got to trust the coaches, but you're looking at backups like Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith, Max Sharping, uh, Cody Ford, the aforementioned Cody Ford, and, um, and Trey Hill. So, you know, but no room for identity. I don't know. Um, don't know. I don't know what to think, really. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? And you look at um, someone like Hakeem Adeniji, like not only has he got a bit of experience, he's only 25 years old. And I think that's something to to think about. 15 starts in the NFL. Maybe there's a bit more in the tank there. I think in many ways, like you said, son, I don't think I saw anything from Cody Ford to suggest that he'd be a better player to keep on the roster. I, again, I don't think it's a decision that's going to, you know, be season defining by any stretch. I think you're talking about to be to be completely polite, some fairly um, below par offensive linemen here either way. But yeah, I think in some ways you would like to um, see a young guy that you've drafted make it. I mean, Cody Ford's only a year older. He's played some games for the Bills in his times. So it's not like we're getting a player that you know is vastly uh, more inexperienced, but yeah, I, the reality is I don't think anyone is that pleased um, with the depth on the line. You know, you get past the starters and it gets pretty, pretty ropey. I don't think you really want to be seeing any of, um, you know, your Cody Fall, Trey Hills, Danta Smiths, Jackson Carmens, you know, Max Sharp. And it's just it's just not that confidence inducing you know i know all of them have flashed in parts and you know everyone wants to see someone like carmen who you've invested a second round pick in it has flash you want to see him you know take that step i don't think we, we really did in the preseason. but you know you chuck him in a game he's a bit of a wild card jackson carmen isn't he he's, he's the sort of guy that you could throw in a game and he could have an 80 pff grade and everyone says he's turned the corner and then next week you know he just doesn't fancy it and he give up three or four sacks and a couple of holding penalties so yeah i know oh, it it, it oh, just <laughs> we, we it really is, it is tricky but i mean i would counter that with Actually, I won't because we're going to talk about this a bit later on because we've got a correspondent I mean, with. Uh, there about are this. there are just there are some positions on the team where you look at depth and you think, "Coy, this is this is a bit sexy." Like wide receiver, like you said, Trent Irwin, Charlie Jones, Josh Vass. You look at the D line. You know, you got a Cy, Cam Sample, uh, Zach Carter, J. Two Fele. You know, there's people on there that you're like. Yeah, these are good guys. People like Miles Murphy is your first round pick. You know, that's where you, you feel quite comfortable. Even at linebacker, Bailey, Davis, Gaither, Batchy, you know, it's not too bad. But I do think that the O-line and tight end for me are just, you know, pretty shocking weaknesses. And you've got to hope that, you know, we're, we sort of stay healthy there because, and you know, that, that, to be fair, like this, you know, the cuts are coming. People are picking up people on waivers. They've then got to cut someone to, um, you know, to make room for the people they're picking up. We need a good little tight end or even a, you know, potential lineman. I don't think anyone's really going to be cutting many good linemen around the league, but um, yeah, a little, a little gift for us would be a nice, would be nice to receive, wouldn't it, my son? Well, Zach Kuntz is, uh, is available. Yeah. He was drafted and then cut by the Jets, I believe. So, um, right. I want to talk about Raymond Johnson, the third, a little bit, because he, 
Um, if we were talking about Yoshi being the uh, offensive MVP, I think probably Raymond Johnson was the defensive MB- MVP. He did everything that was asked of him and more. Sacks, pressures, relentless hustle. He looked really good. And not surprisingly, there was a bunch of people who wanted him on the team, wanted him on that 53. He, they thought he'd done enough to get onto the active roster. I wasn't so sure, only because, as you say, you've just got to remember who's in front of him. And if you're going to have Raymond Johnson, easy for me to say, Raymond Johnson the third, who played really well in preseason, there's no doubting that. And I and I tip my hat to him and full of respect and admiration for him. Um, what sort of hat you tip him? What sort of hat? I I think to, to tip a hat, I think you need to tip. Something significant like a trilby or something like that, or a Panama hat, you know. Raymond, like specifically to Raymond Johnson, I just want to make sure that I can, you know, have a bit, yeah. an image of this hat that you're tipping. Yeah, I'll so go trilby. for a trilby. I'll go for a trilby with Raymond Johnson. I think it's a, a good, solid hat tip because I say I thought he played really well and good, good play, regardless whether it's in pre-season, normal season, or post-season, deserves a good, solid trilby tip. I think. <laughs> I, think. I agree. I agree. Right? Just yeah. I think you you covered yourself well there. Good. Good. Uh, thanks for the question. Good question. Um, yeah. I mean, but then you've got to think. Well, first of all, who's he playing against? Is he playing against first teamers or second teamers? Likely to be mostly second teamers. Although he was in there from the start uh, at the weekend um, against the Washingtons. But then you look at the 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 roster and you think, okay, I'm going to keep Raymond Johnson because he's looked fantastic. Who am I going to get rid of to accommodate him? Um, are you getting rid of Joseph Asai? Are you getting rid of Miles Murphy? Are you getting rid of Cam Sample, who's been arguably the most underrated player on this team for the past two or three seasons? Um, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's all very well like banging the drum for someone who's played really, really well. And this happened with Darius Hodge a few years ago and Chris Smith, the late great Chris Smith a couple of years before that you know they and Chris Smith did make the roster I can't remember whether, whether Darius Hodge did or not um, I'm going to have to check that but you know a lot of people bang the drum after fantastic uh, pre-seasons but we weren't as good a team uh, as we are now we didn't have as, as good a depth as we do now and certainly on that defensive line I just kind of thought I was not surprised when it was announced that they'd waived Raymond Johnson. That's all I'm going to say. That's the short answer to a question that was never posed. Yeah, I agree. And you look right. You look around the league, and uh, you know there are plenty of examples of players that have had fantastic preseasons, and it doesn't translate anywhere near the regular season. I mean, you look a little bit at someone like Margus Hunt back in the day, who was a bit of a preseason wrecking ball, but he never really translated and. One of our old um, chums I saw today when I was on Twitter, um, Khalid Kareem, apparently had an absolute performer yeah, right, yeah. of the preseason, three sacks, a lot of hits, I believe, all the rest of it. And he was released as well. So, you know, there's a lot of talent that's coming out, you know, across the league at the moment. People getting picked up. Raymond Johnson might get picked up. I don't think he's been picked up yet. Um, prime candidate for the practice squad. And, you know, if anything does happen, he's the sort of guy you'd want to call up and, you know, he might get his chance. I mean, he's put his cards on the table, you know, it's all you can ask him to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And- That's all you can do is someone, you know, really working hard to, to get a, a roster spot 
is you just got to put your cards on the table, uh, as you say, and then, you know, a piece of luck down the line won't hurt. Um, you know, right place, right time, and all that kind of business. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Um, and it's interesting, actually, you know, with the Joseph Asai injury, we haven't heard whether he's going to go on to IR yet or whether it's just a week-to-week thing. Um, he's been playing well in pre-season. But, you know, that gives Miles Murphy a bit of a chance to, to, to up his game. I think from what you read and hear, you know, he's... You know his his introduction into 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 NFL life has been a bit sort of slower than expected, um, but I you know I think Mike Sands put something on Twitter after the Washington game and he put on a bunch of reps and Murphy and he looked the business you know physically he looks great um, he just needs to work on that burst and uh, uh, but even in the little clips that I saw in the reps he looked really good and without blowing anyone away but certainly. Uh, as I say, with Cam Sample there, and um, I think Zach Carter this year will have a better year than last year. You know, I'm okay with the defensive line. I think we we're, we're okay there. And, but yeah, if if Joseph Asai has to go to IR then, and uh, Raymond Johnson isn't claimed, then I would assume he'd be back on the practice squad, or he might even make the active roster is if Asai goes to IR for a few week, for four weeks. You know, so one to watch. Agreed. Right, um, we are, uh, well, we've got a few things lined up. No special guest this week. Um, we'll have one next week in our bumper preview uh, episode, and that should be back to normal on a Monday night, so watch out for that. Uh, we'll have episode two of Hard Knockers coming up shortly, and um, also we'll have your correspondences. So uh, what are we, sort of 10, 11 days? I'm just seeing pictures of... Joe Burrow, your actual Joe Burrow in actual pads and on the Kettering Health practice field um, uh, across the road from Paycor. The sun is shining. Joe Boy is in uh, looking fine form, passing the ball around and uh, all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, it's great news, as I kind of thought. Um, we've got some questions about Joe Boy a bit later on. but um, I've got uh, a question for you on Joe Boy, Sam. Go on, then. But if it's going to be asked later, you can tell me to shut up and we'll delete this. <laughs> okay, right there, go on. Like, you know, I know everyone like will have an answer to this and shoot me down, whatever. Are you at all worried that we are 10 days away from the regular season? Everyone told us that this extension would be done and dusted well before then. I'm still maybe it could come out today, it could come out tomorrow. You know, I'm not I'm not quivering in my boots by any stretch. But are you slightly like... You know, a bit, bit like, hmm. You know, it'd be quite nice to get this done before the start of the regular season, and we do only have ten days left. Well, that is a question that has been asked in the correspondence, so we shall answer that in a, in a little while. Be more original, Nathan. Come on. Uh, yeah, I, I should have guessed it, shouldn't I? Um, right. Any more? Any more chats about the roster before we move on to hard knockers? I know that that's why most of you tune in these days. Um, so, any more any more discussion points you think about the roster? Is it is it kind of where you think it it is or should be? Apart from a few notable places, I think you mentioned the tight end position. Running back is still a little bit up in the air because Travion we haven't seen Travion Williams hardly at all this training camp, and by the looks of it, he is he is still in prime position despite improved performance by Chris Evans and continued development by Chase Brown. I thought he looked really good against Washington again when in that first drive, especially when everything was humming and, and in sync for the offense. Um, 
Are you any any other? Well, you know, just tell it. Tell it. Go on, Nathan. Just tell him. Tell me about the roster, man. I don't think it's a better roster than last year. I'm not saying it's worse, but I don't think it's better. I think it's either on par or maybe a smidgen, like a pinch of salt worse. I don't think it's a better roster. I think losing Jesse Bates and Von Bell, massive holes, really good, solid veterans. Um, Obviously, you've got the rookies on board with a couple of free agents in as well. Um, You know, some good free agents in all fairness. But I'm not convinced it's definitely better you know there's a couple of two is a couple come in couple have gone out you're looking for growth i think for it to be a, a better roster you need someone like joseph asai or cam sample you know we talked about them earlier they're the sort of players cam taylor Britt as well that have got to take that step if they can show they can take that step forward you could probably say yep look um you know we are a bit better off dax hill falls into that conversation as well but on paper going in there, I think at running back, losing someone like Samar J.P. Ryan, he was underrated for us last year. You know, wasn't necessarily the flashiest running back in the world, but really did run hard, um, came up in big moments, stepped up in the playoffs. And, you know, we have seen Joe Mixon um, tail off a bit. He has had the odd injury or so and stuff. He he needs to play well because you behind him, it's a little bit you know, thinner than you perhaps like in terms of NFL experience and talent, um, you know, with the greatest respect to these guys, you know, they're, they're young lads and people that haven't had too much um, experience on the field. But yeah, I, I'm not, I, I'm happy with it. I mean, it's a bloody good team. You know, we should, we are, and we should deserve to be um, a top five um, favorite for the Super Bowl. You know, we're absolutely primed, ready to go. There's some elite talent on both sides of the ball. There's very good depth at certain positions. Um, but I'm not convinced that we're definitely better. Even someone like Hayden Hurst, for example, at tight end, I think, you know, for the insurance he'd give you as, yeah, he was a good player last year. And, um, you know, I think he's a bit of a loss as well. But that's no knock on the roster. Like I said, I think he's a fantastic team we've assembled. Um, there's a lot of young quality players on there that I'm excited to see if they can take that step forward. And I think ultimately you've got as good a chance as anyone, but I'm just not convinced that it's definitely across the board a better team than we had going into last year. Oh, that's interesting. A lot to unpack there. And I, I tend to agree with you, although I will say from what you read and what you've seen and what you've heard, you know, Nick Scott and Dax Hill have been playing well and looking good. It's great to have Cheeto back. We all know what a good player he is. He's going to make a big difference. Cam Taylor Britt has been going up against Jamar Chase every single day in practice. And he's won some and he's lost some, as you will do against Jamar Chase, because he's one of the best top three wide receivers in, in the game, you know. So that's got to, got to have been really great for Cam Taylor Britt. Um, uh, I read somewhere, I think it was Charlie Highsmith from The Inquiry, uh, saying that he thought that Hakeem Davis Gaither has been the MV, a defensive MVP uh, of all practice camp, you know, uh, training camp rather, um, which says something. So you might see some, you know, development from these kind of reserve guys, these bench guys who come on and, and do uh, and perform really valuable jobs like, you know, ADG and Marcus Bailey at linebacker. We know what Marcus Bailey is, I think, a really good, solid backup. Um, and of course, this is contract year, I think, for both ADG and um Marcus Bailey this year. Goodness me, that's weird, isn't it? Seems like yesterday we were just 
interviewing Marcus Bailey for this podcast, yeah. wasn't he? Um, um, you know, the cam sample was apparently looks really good in practice. So, you know, these guys have got three, four years under their belts now. That now they know what they're doing. They're they're hardened, seasoned NFL pros. They know what it takes to win. And I, do you know what I loved actually? Um, there was a clip of, of Zach in a press conference recently, and he said that anybody that comes here has got to be prepared to, or at least they should know that this team, or did he say that? No, he said they're expected to challenge for the AFC North and you know for Super Bowls. They ain't you know they haven't come here to play games. Do you know what I mean? That's the standard now, and it's kind of makes you feel weird, doesn't it? Do you think it's, yeah. in a, in a in a good way? It's kind of like, oh yeah, come on, I support a winner. I I yeah. but then it's like, hold on a minute though. So long that this team has been, you know, valiant losers, you know, and uh, fun team to watch. Yeah, but you know, never will win anything. Like I said, they'll give you moments. They'll give you wins over the Steelers and classic shootouts against the Browns or whatever, just to keep you happy. But they won't win anything. But now we're like, hold on a minute, we're shooting for the moon here. We're close. We're almost on the moon, my son. We are on the moon. Oh, and do you know what I mean? It's like it's yeah, a weird tell, feeling. You can tell there's a real game coming up next week, can't you? You oh, lost your nuts. Son. I'm bang up for it against the brown brownies as well. Oh, come on! I really yeah. want to stick it to. Them. I am bang up for it. <laughs> Yeah, well, to be fair, I can't blame you, son. I really can't. And, you know, like you said, back in the day, even, even when we had Andy Dalton and, the, you know, things were going well, it was more if we won, not that it was a surprise, but that it was a real, like, oh, my God, what a win. A bit like we were like a mid-table side, you know, and you got a good win and you got a good win. Now we're like a top side in the league. You know, we're like one of the top four in the big teams. And, you know, not saying it diminishes the value of a win, but if we beat the Carolina Panthers, just random team I've plucked out of midair, back in the day of Andy Dalton, you'd be like, wow, that's a big win. I'd be puffing my chest out, feeling all warm and giddy at work the next morning. Now when we win, I'm like, yes, that was a good win. I feel good. Get a beer down me. Absolutely fantastic. But it's not that same, like, giddy, like, can't yeah. believe we've done it. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, we won. That's good. But I expect it's, that. I expect yeah. that now. I expect to beat exactly. the Panthers. Like, nine times out of ten, I expect yeah. to beat the Carolina Panthers. You know, maybe six or seven times out of ten, I expect to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just like, oh, hello. And it's like, we're we're locked. Check this out. We are, we are locked in a rivalry with the Kansas City Chiefs. Not someone in our division to win the division although you know the Ravens Steelers will be improved Browns will be improved etc etc but we are main rival our main rivals now it's not the Steelers not some sort of lopsided weird rivalry it's not the Browns it's not some battle of Ohio it's it's the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl every year that's crazy to me but also really quite enjoyable as well you know yeah I could now I agree with you man and I mean like they said, the AFC is going to be absolutely ruthless this year. So we're going to have to be at our absolute best. And we can't just rely on the fact that we've had two good seasons the last year. The NFL is mental. And there are, it's not. So some, there's teams every single year that people are like, oh, this team will be good. Denver will be good last year. You know, Russell Wilson, this and that. And I'm sure they'll you know, be competing with the Chiefs. And, you know, it ended up that... Denver were a bit of a laughing stock in the end. So I'm not saying that's going to happen to us, but 
you know, we just need to keep our heads screwed on because there's some very, very good teams in the AFC. And just like you said, all right, yeah, we, we can sort of get ahead of ourselves, get a bit giddy and say, oh, it's Hassan the Chiefs and all oh, Travis Kelsey, Mahomes and all, oh, you know, this and that. The reality is we could easily have a fairly good season and with a winning record, all of it, and finish third in the division. Yeah, you know, very true. Yeah, very true. Uh, they're very good teams. You know, you cannot discount for one second or think we're too big for the Steelers, uh, Steelers or Ravens. Frankly, even for the Browns, you know, we are a much better team than the Browns across the roster. But, you know, Deshaun Watson plays like he can or he has in the past. You know, they've got talent as well either side of the ball. Well, they've know, got a better that. offensive line than us, I would say. They've yeah, got a better yeah. running back than us. Uh, they've got yeah. some interesting yeah. options at wide receiver. Um, they've got Deshaun Watson, who is horrid uh, off the field, as we all, we all know. But he's, he could get... I don't think he will, but and I'm not just saying that because I dislike him intensely, but I genuinely believe from what you see out of camp, he's not been that great either. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, what, you know, you, so you we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, you can't, you can't, but you can't even guarantee like you're going to be better. There's still like everyone's got a chance. They're, they're like you said, they've got some really good players on their team. So we can't get as much as we love the fact, and you know, we're, we're the big boys at the moment at the table, and you know, we're sort of banging our knife and fork down, saying let's serve a steak dinner. We do need to crack on and do some hard work because you know, you look at last year, we came out, we were slow, we were flat, you know, we were zero and two, and you know, it's going to be a really difficult league in the AFC this year, and we've got to we've got to play better than we did last year, frankly, because you know, everyone else is going to be correct. Oh, I need I need to relax and chill for a bit there, Nathan. And do you know what I think uh, would be good to do that? Do you know the, oh, do you know what I what I would like and could do with right now? A bit of duppy share. Well, yeah, apart from that, but I would like to relax with my favourite. Scripted audio drama. Is that the uh, Netflix original? Um, the one, the one that you talk about. The uh, is it? Is it Hard Knockers? It is indeed. Great guessing. And you know what? I think it should be on Netflix or at least Netflix Radio, uh, if there is such a thing. But yes, if uh, new listeners don't know what this is, we thought we'd fill in some time last year and come up with our own scripted drama, a kind of a Cincinnati version of Hard Knocks. Um, but of course it's not. It's called Hard Knockers, and this is episode two. Cincinnati. What do you mean he's missing? He's missing. Nathan is nowhere to be seen. Nowhere. He's gone, coach. Gone. I've tried looking everywhere. But he can't have just disappeared into thin air. Apart from taking off on holiday every month, it's very unusual for Nathan to go anywhere without telling anyone. Hello? Yes? What? Coach, it's the kidnapper. Let me put him on speaker. I have power. I will keep him until I get what I want. And if I don't get what I want, I will cause significant mental and physical distress to him. And you will never see him again. You have 24 hours. Be ready to receive my demands. <sighs> Who could have done this? This is, this is ridiculous. Who would want to kidnap Nathan? Are there any of our rivals who could have done this? Well, the Locked On crew... 
James Rapine, the baby-faced assassin? No, he couldn't or wouldn't do something like this. Mm, Zim, would he revert to, to kidnapping? Then there are those puppets. You don't even know who's got a hand in them, literally. Oh, I don't know, Frankie. It could be absolutely anyone. What about those women on Tiger's Talk? That's a possibility. I've heard they're, they're quite evil and ruthless, and they're very much the opposite of how they look. Someone told me that they will do anything to increase their listening figures. I'll look into them, but coach, the fact of the matter is our star player has been abducted. There's two weeks until the start of the new season, and we're being toyed with by a psychopath. They say that every crisis is an opportunity, but as Cincinnati's star presenter and pundit lies scared and confused in an unknown location after being abducted, even head coach Paul Hirons is facing the prospect that this crisis has no happy end in sight. Here, where, where am I? This ain't funny, you know. Do you not know who I am? I'm the star presenter and pundit for the ninth most popular Bengals podcast. I'm the person who came up with a solid handle. I'm the... Silence! Your chatter in the flesh is as tedious and as lacking in nuance as it is on the podcast. If only I had the chance to... Well, wait, 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 wait. Who are you, though? I just don't get it. Who could you be? You will find out soon enough. In the meantime... I trust you will be very comfortable in this little cell I constructed for you. Well, apart from the dampness, that constant dripping, it's lovely. You've done a bang-up job, son. Where'd you get all the gear from? It all looks very convincing. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I get all my prison furniture and a special constant dripping station from cellmates, where you needn't fail at building a jail. Free voice manipulator with every purchase over £50. Just off junction 10 of the M6. Terms and conditions apply. Um, um, enough, enough. You are my prisoner now and I will do with you what I need to. Ah, oh, come on, son. I'm harmless. I've got people to see, places to be. There's only a couple of weeks at the start of the season as well. The boss will be expecting me. Then your laughable boss will have to wait. No, Nathan Palmer, I have special plans for you. It seems Palmer's kidnapper has a personal vendetta against the podcast presenter. Not only does he want to make him suffer, but he wants to keep him locked up so he can't broadcast when the new season starts. With key sponsorship deals in place and rising listener numbers, the timing of this catastrophic event could not have been worse. Oh, bloody hell, this is ridiculous. Having bought me wash bag with me or any mints. Well, I wouldn't give for a nice cold pie of Menabrea right now. Nice shower, maybe. Some Bayless and Arlen sandalwood and rose lather. 
Oh, that'd be lovely. Oh, God, it's all terrible. Am I even going to be able to have my tuna baguette from Pret again? What about even some of those nachos down at the local boozer? Oh, oh, oh. I, wait, wait, hang on. I, I can see something on the ground outside the door. Oh, it's that dickhead's phone, isn't it? Hold on. Hold on. Let me just let me just see if I can reach it. Oh, yeah. Little further. Come on, son. You can do it. There, there we go. Yes, 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 yes. I've got it. I've got it. There we go. Come to Papa. Right, son. Let's see who you really are. Let me just scroll through this. O open the messages. Pretty <gasps> hell. It's only that geezer, isn't it? Well, there we go. Uh, Nathan, goodness me. Uh, you're acting. I think it's it's definitely, you know, should at least be nominated for some sort of award there. For, you know, the way that you conveyed both fear but determination and vulnerability was quite something. I, I genuinely, it's very good. Well, that's my A in GCSE drama coming to you, son, isn't it? It's been a while <laughs> since I've dusted off the... Dusted off the cape and the the acting whoa, whoa, outfit. Whoa, 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 whoa! Dusted off the cape. What were you, what were you doing in GCSE drama? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like to think of actors with the cape, you know, sort of like playing around like a, like a sort of superhero type character. Oh, but, just, um, I, think, I think capes are good, actually. I think they they should be brought back, um, along with trilbies and capes and walking sticks uh, of all kinds. I think they should be brought back. Uh, a cape is a marvelous thing. And I can see you in a cape, actually. Would you? Yeah, would you capes. wear a cape? I mean, I, I know you like to wear. I know that you like to wear dicky bows. Um, oh, I did have a bow. Um, so I think that would go well with a cape, actually. No, uh, it depends what cape. I can't. I can't really visualise capes in my head at the minute. So I'll have to have a look, and we'll come back to you next week. Yeah. All right. Then. Well. Um, anyway, there you go, uh, Nathan. In 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 mortal peril there. Can coach Paul Hirons and uh, Frankie Fockernocker uh, race to the rescue and reach him in time? Only, and who who is who is Nathan's abductor? Uh, we will all find out next week. Isn't it exciting? Uh, Tomlin, Sam. Mike Tomlin is well. I say you know. Uh, Bill Cower. James Rip who? Bill Cower. Bill Cower. Mike Tomlin. Basically, any ex stealer perhaps. No van I often. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I mentioned, you know, it could be uh, Zim, it could be James Rapine, um, the baby-faced assassin. It could be any of those guys, couldn't it, really? could be the Tigress Talkers, the ladies of the Tigress Talks. The, um, uh, the CEO of First Star Logistics coming in trying to... Who knows? It's all to be found out. Um, speaking of dramas and things to watch, did you watch that documentary that the Bengals put out? What was it called? Inside the Jungle or something like that? From the Jungle, I've, I believe. Have you seen I've that? I have not. Yeah, no. So it's a 40-minute, sort of their version of Hard Knocks. 40-minute um, version behind the scenes. You've got Zach Taylor narrating. There's some great uh, appearances by DJ Reader. Um, there's uh, some great appearance by, by T Higgins, Cam Taylor, Britt. There's a great sequence where Zach uh, bought in two because you know ping pong's a real thing in the changing room there. Um, yeah. So Zach bought in some professional ping pongers. So you know everyone had to you know could have a go against these guys. 
Um, it's it's basically a forty minute um, documentary, and this was episode one. So, you know, Marissa and the content team have done a tremendous job. It's really it's actually pretty good, uh, nicely done. So, again, I tip my trilby to Marissa and and the the content team for producing such a thing. And I think there's a second episode coming out uh, next week. Um, but you know, Hard Knockers is better. Anyway, shall we go to... Oh, I've got another thing to announce, actually. Um, we do have a meet-up uh, for the first game of the season. It's in London Town, uh, which is a big town in the south of England, and it's at the Coach House Pub, formerly known as the Comedy. So we do have some history with the Comedy. Um, so, yes, Sunday, the September, the September the 10th, at the Coach House, at the 5pm or onwards, we will be uh, gathering to cheer on our Bengals boys uh, against the Cleveland Browns. So uh, it's free entry, as per usual. So if you would like to come along, then you are more than welcome. We are working hard to get a simultaneous meetup going in Manchester so our friends in the north can also uh, enjoy the um, the benefits of a collective gathering so watch this space and when i mean space i mean our social media and when i mean social media i mean at today underscore uk on twitter uh, bengals uk on facebook and bengals underscore uk on instagram so september the 10th at the coach house i think it's off the top of my head oxenden street slap bang in the center of town just off piccadilly the bright lights of london's piccadilly uh, come down and say hello and enjoy the company of other Bengals fans. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Right, shall we get to our correspondences, Nathan? Let's do it, my son. Solid hand. VB at Von Blade. Solid hand. Crazy that the guy who beat out the legend that was Huber barely lasted a season. Sport is tough. And when, uh, when Von Blady lays it out like that... Um, He's, he's right, <laughs> isn't he, really? I mean, it is. It's a brutal game. I mean, we're all, you know, all sad that Kev had retired and then uh, and then we're excited for Drew and then he had a bit of a mare in the FC Championship game and then he had a pretty rough off-season with one thing or another and now, you know, I don't know. It's, it really is. You do lurch from, from the top of the tree right back down to earth in the, the space of a couple of months in this sport, don't you? You do, and I think Brad Robbins is low-key under quite a bit of pressure because I don't think he had a great camp and pre-season from everything that I saw and read. Not bad by any stretch. Um, obviously, sixth-rounder, they don't want to give up on him. They made that mistake in the past with Jake Elliott and, you know, look where that got them. I think you'd rather go with um, the guy that you've invested a pick in that, um, you know, you've scouted, you've done your research on and has got more upside. So I think it's the right move. I don't think for a second, you know, no knock on Drew, uh, Drew Christman. I think Brad Robbins was the right selection, but I think he's under a bit of pressure. I don't think too, it would take too much for, you know, a shanked punt here or, you know, just not much hang time. Or, I mean, not that that's his issue, but, you know, maybe like punting out his own end zone, just struggling to sort of hit the distance that you'd want on it. 
I do think Bengals fans and, you know, based on what they've seen so far, he, he's under pressure with that because you, you, we were so fortunate with that, with Kev for so long that Kev was always pretty above average, you know, certainly had his seasons where he was one of the better punters in the league and it was just so consistent, you know, you did something you didn't have to worry about. It was, you know, always very well managed and all the rest of it. So, you know, I, I really hope the best for Brad Robbins. You know, I want him to really, you know, be pinning people in the corner and, you know, having that bit of swagger and really looking like a quality pick for us. But I, I, like I said, I do think with Drew Crispin sort of waiting there and, yeah, there are other veteran punters that you could probably fairly easily go and pick up around the league that, you know, will be out of work. But, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him. And I hope he does. Look at me saying the word rooting as a put someone in the UK. It's not um, <laughs> it's not something I think I've ever said before. But, yeah, I'm, I'm really, you know, cheering for him and hope that he can pull it off. I do think he is under a bit of low-key pressure there to come out firing. Some good points there, Nathan. Uh, Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Surprised Adenergy got cut. Currently, O-line depth looks worse than last year, which is a huge disappointment. I I don't know. I think it's I think it's the same really, apart from Cody Ford, who's a, a sort of a bit of an unknown quantity. But I would say it's the same. Now, whether that's the, the fact that it is the same, pretty much, is whether that's a disappointment is another question. Um, I think the only, the only way it's better is if you get Leo Collins back. And he, you know, and he's healthy because then it is better. Then you've got a quality. Well, then what are you going to do with Jonah Williams when Leo Collins comes back? Then, well, you just go, you go out and cut someone else, didn't you? I mean, you, you, I don't think Leo Collins would play, and I think he'd be, you know, sort of in the rotation. You sure, just go and sure, get rid sure, of a, you know, one of the like your Danta Smiths or someone like that would be, you know, on the way out. But I, I think with Leo Collins healthy, it's good because you've got, you know, if one of, um, you know, Brown or Jonah Williams goes around, you've still got a quality veteran to come in and start for you. You're not straight down to, you know, your Danta Smiths and, you know, your Carmens and then people of the world. So I do think that that's the one difference that I would say. If you took Leo Collins out of the picture, I think Jamie's right. You'd probably say it's the same. Like I said, I don't think it's better, but... Um, yeah, probably the same, really. But then, but then you, how much um, allocation, you know, budget-wise, are you going into for depth pieces on the offensive line? You know, because the, yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? I mean, there is going to be injuries, obviously, as we saw last year. But um, oh, such a tricky one, I think. Tricky well, one. just super quickly as well. And you talk about young players and taking steps forward. The one guy that I think we've mentioned on this podcast for weeks, Cordell Volson. There's chat about him, and yeah, I know. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. That all the time, and there that X player has put on eight pounds of muscle and yeah, yeah, this, yeah. that, other. But you know, there was chat about him having the lowest body fat percentage of all the linemen, <clears> and that you know he's been working hard in the off season. Obviously, we've not seen anything of him um, really in the preseason, like with Mac, um, Zach sitting everyone out. But yeah, he's someone to watch, isn't he? Because if he starts playing well and he really sort of takes a step forward, he's got those starting games under his belt. That could be a really nice addition um, in terms of him playing well in year two and really sort of, you know, helping out in the middle there. So, yeah, I, I'm fairly happy with the starters. And, you know, if we've got Leo Collins to come in, I'm, I'm you know, getting a bit chirpy. But it's behind that. It's it's slightly scary. Um, Hubei at the Hubei. Excited. Sorry, <laughs> uh, excited to see what happens to Hard Knockers this week. Um there you go, Nathan. We've got a listener. Uh, at least one person appreciates hard knockers, so thank you very much. Uh, the Hubei, um, Chris Roberts at 1066. Chris, uh, strong roster overall. Thought we'd keep Tanner Hudson. 
Will we re-sign him or pick up a tight end elsewhere? Uh, we fell for Drew Chrisman. He seems like a great lad, but Brad Robbins is the better punter. Will Greer is a good signing, but will Jake Browning still be QB2 in a month's time? We don't know, Chris. Um, it's interesting you talk about the tight end position. That Again, that's one of the positions, one of the few positions, to be fair, um, that people are a little bit nervous about. And only because, not because of Irv Smith Jr.'s talent i think he is a talented guy and he's a second round pick let's not forget it's just his injury record i mean every season he gets injured and it's such a shame um and obviously we're hoping that this season will be the first time in his nfl career that he's not kind of on the sidelines more than he is on the pitch so um i know that you're nervous about um um, the tight end position. Um, I'm a little bit nervous. I think I like I like Drew Sample as a sort of a you know uh, how should we say this a relatively dependable uh, blocking tight end. Although again, you could argue that he's not really been that throughout his career. We like him as a person. We think he's a great bloke. He's been on this podcast. Um, his mum and dad are lovely. Which is an odd thing to say, but you know, we did meet his mum and dad at the pub in in when they came over to London in 2019. Uh, and Mitch Wilcox had a good, had a, you know, had a good year last year. I thought pretty reliable. Tanner Hudson looks pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, I'm hoping that he's going to be on the practice squad because we could do with um, we could do with a bit of backup. But you want you want a geezer. Like I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name, but I saw he was, uh, you know, knocking around. He might have been released, and then I think there was a trade in the end where people were swapping late round picks. But someone like Albert O, um, you know, that was released the other day, he's the sort of geezer that you plug him in as your tight end two, and you feel good about it. You know, you all of a sudden you say, oh, yeah, look, that's two good players. Verb Smith does get hurt. You've got Albert Owen there. He's got some good experience in the NFL. He's caught some passes. You know, Joe Burrow's going to make him look good. And that's the thing with Joe Burrow. Irv Smith's the sort of geezer. If he played all of the games, he could be in the like the shout for a Pro Bowl because Joe Boy likes the tight end and he, he made Hayden Hurst look very good um, last year. And, you know, he made CJ's armor look good, very good the year before that. That's no knock on CJ and it's no knock on Hayden Hurst. But I think he's probably made them look 10, 20% better than they have. They've gone elsewhere and made some good money on it. Irv Smith kind of falls into that bracket. I think he's got quite a high ceiling, but obviously these injuries have held him back a bit, you know, from being that second round pick. These days, Elfie could be a cracker, but if he, if he doesn't, again, the greatest respect to Mitch Wilcox and Drew Sample, but, oh, yeah. I mean, I think you'd have to go and make a trade. I think you'd have to say, look, you know, we can't go. If, if Irv Smith went down week four with a, you know, MCL sprain that was going to keep him out for six, eight weeks or whatever, I just think you'd have to go and say, look, you know, we never know how, how many years we're going to have the, to be in this position of being in a real, like, you know, window for the Super Bowl. We do not want to be, with the, again, the greatest respect, we don't want to be rolling Mitch Wilcox out there as our tight end one, you know, for six, eight weeks or longer you know, and jeopardise our season on that because it'd be just a massive Achilles heel for us. And I think you'd probably have to turn around to a team with some depth and say, you know, or a team, frankly, that, you know, six weeks into the season, eight weeks into the season was just like in full rebuild mode and was just trying to, you know, accumulate picks and throw out 
a third round pick or a fourth round pick and just try and pick some, you know, someone up that was good. A bit like in baseball where you sort of stockpile midseason and try and make a run of it. I, I think that would be an example of the Bengals really being aggressive and trying to go for it. So that that is the one area for me that just I think is an obvious need for an upgrade. And finally, Michael Smith at conniving underscore crow. Solid handle. Sad to see Morgan and Adenergy leave, but we have a strong roster. And the pickup of Greer means the backup QB competition goes on. But what are your thoughts on Zach's short answers, Reburrow's recuperation and contract at the recent press conference? Well, Mike, um, I think we could safely say that the short answers about Burrow's recuperation didn't mean a thing because uh, he's... uh, He's back at practice right now. Right now, he's throwing a ball around the practice fields. Um, in terms of the uh, contract, I mean, you started on this earlier, Nathan. What do, what do you want to say about this contract business? Have you got any thoughts? Do you know what I'll say first off is that I'm surprised that like some sort of slippery reptile journalist out there across the NFL just trying to make a bit of a name for his or herself hasn't gone out there and said some waffle that they've heard that talks have broken down with the Joe Burrow contract and things could be, you know, not great because even though it would be absolute bollocks, because I'm sure there is nothing like that happening. It would absolutely spiral out of control with people panicking, tweeting about it, other people picking it up, people trying to validate its source, you know, and that person would get all sorts of attention and, you know, people like them would start discussing it. We'd be talking about it on the podcast. So I'm surprised that no one's done that yet because it's gone on longer than I think most people thought. And I'm surprised that no one's jumped on it. I'm a little bit not worried. Cause I, th- I think everyone universally knows it's going to get done. It's in everyone's interest. I don't think anyone would even begin, um, you know, to let it not happen. Just slightly surprised it's taken this long. But, you know, you've got to be patient. There are no concerning signs out there. You've got to believe that Joe Burrow wants to be in Cincinnati. You've got to believe that, you know, with all the success he's brought to town and um, just the sheer positivity and the, the franchise that he has really made this team and embodies for the, of this team. There's no chance in hell that Mike Brown or anyone in Cincinnati is going to, you know, try and sort of cut him out. But it's a massive contract. I mean, you know, they, they've, prob- they've got an act to realistically rename the stadium to try and keep this guy here. It's a lot of dollar. It's not, um, you know, a couple of million here, a couple of million there. It's going to be a monster contract. It's going to be one of the biggest contracts in sport. So it's no small matter. And, I think for that reason, that's probably why it's dragged on. It's, you know, there's got all sorts of stuff that we won't necessarily understand in image rights and um, God knows what in terms of sponsors and guaranteed money and how you break the, you know, the contract down over different years and cap hits and all this sort of language that, you know, not, it's not necessarily our forte is your average armchair fan with a beer in his hand, but I think it get done, but it, I, I, like I said, I'm starting to just get a bit twitchy with it. Um, what's your thoughts, Sam? Um, I, I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not preoccupied with it, to be honest, because I, I don't see a world where I just don't. It's inconceivable to, inconceivable to me that this contract 
won't get done. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think it's just a case of, like you say, it's a massive contract. They're probably trying to figure out, like you say, you know, upfront money, which is always the sticking point with Bengals contracts, whether they're going to do something with Mah- similar to Mahomes' deal. And, you know, there's, you know, percentages of the cap that comes into play. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just not thinking about it. I'm not worried about it. I think the panic is indicative of uh, modern society and the anxiety, the anxiousness and anxiety of modern society. And, and I mean, like social media, if things aren't done in like two seconds, we we seem to have the attention span of a, I don't know what, uh, a skyline chili coney, basically. Uh, and we worry uh, that something isn't going isn't being done right now, right now, right now. Got to be done right now. It's just like chill out, just relax. He's the franchise quarterback. He he's not going to go anywhere. I don't. Th- I really genuinely believe. I you know he's going to be here for the next ten years. But like you said, you know, it's a big bloody contract. It's you talk about the Bengals being mentioned as perennial Super Bowl contenders and how, and how weird that is. I mean, the fact that we're dealing with someone who's going to sign one of the biggest contracts in sport, in world sport, you know, that, and he plays for our little old Bengals team. You know, it's incredible, really, when you think about it. Listen, I yeah, I, I'm not... The, the one that I, I've got no worries about, Burrow, I wouldn't worry if he doesn't get signed up until, say, Christmas, you know, uh, as weird as that sounds. I think it'll be sorted in the next month or so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not worried. But what I will say, I think I think T Higgins is a different story completely. But for Burrow, I've got, I'm have got i not worried about it at all, to be honest. I just, I, again, I don't, I don't know the ins and the outs of this too well. But the only thing I would say is a lot of journalists, commentators, people on Twitter, everyone saying, look, there's no way this doesn't get done at the start of the season. There's no way. Trust me, you know, definitively, people that you respect and read, there's that, yep, no worries. Because the risk for Joe Burrow is that he goes into week one against the Browns or, you know, he goes into week four or five. He hasn't played that well. He's, th- uh, he's thrown a few picks. He does his same knee, ACL, MCL, massive tear. And he's given up a quarter of a billion dollars, potentially. You know, if he if he couldn't play again or he, you know, someone took his head off and he had a really bad concussion and he couldn't play for it. Yeah, there's all sorts of things that began through his head here. And the Bengals will have already put in front of him a contract that for your average per. I mean, you know, the entire... Um, you know, community of Bengals UK could get rich, you know, be rich the rest of their lives on the sort of money that's going to be, you know, being thrown around for Joe Boy. And that'll be on the table for him right now. Now, you know, it'd be a massive risk. I can only imagine if he was to go into this season with no contract under his belt. And again, I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, strictly true. There might be people say, well, no, actually, because he's got an extra option on this and that. And, you know, and fair enough, I hold my hands up. But, I think for both parties, they'd much rather have this done and dusted and not be hanging over them going into the season. Because there are considerations here from both sides in terms of, you know, what ifs and, you know, this and that. And ultimately, they'll just want to keep things on on good terms, keep the relationship, you know, healthy. Yeah, you and, they, be- and they've said, haven't they, Joe Boy has said that, you know, they've reached an agreement in so far that they're going to keep the negotiations private between uh, Joe's team of negotiators and agents and whatnot and KT in the front office you know and that's you know that's great as you'd ex- you wouldn't expect anything less from Joe Burrow he's not your flashy kind of drama quarter drama armor quarterback right he just you know he's pretty savvy this kid 
um, and he's pretty bright, so he knows what he wants. He knows how to do it, and you know, I think, I think, um, I think he will. Uh, they'll, they'll reach an agreement at some point, I would imagine. There you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. Well, don't play this back if he decides to, to go to the Raiders or something in in uh, in two years' time. Anyway, that's your lot for tonight. Um, thanks for listening as ever. Always appreciate your support. Uh, remember our meet-up in London on September the 10th at the Comedy... It's not the Comedy... The Coach House. Um, check our social media for details, but do come along if you can. It'd be great to see you. Um, and in the meantime, um, we'll be back with our super-duper, uh, bumper, crazy, packed, jam-packed, uh, exciting, arousing uh season preview next monday so watch out for that um but yes uh, until that moment it is a who day from me and a who day from me cheers guys
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.